in my notes. <laughs> oh, well. Hey, uh, before we get into the message uh, this morning, uh, by the way, my name is uh, David Sorn. I am the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Hey, before we get into the message, uh, we need to uh, honor someone at our church. Uh, most of you uh, probably saw my email uh, this week, but uh, our children's pastor, Alyssa Speck, who I'm going to ask to come on stage with me at this point. Alyssa is uh, going to be finishing her time as our children's pastor uh, this month. And, uh, you know, Alyssa has been doing this position for three full years now, involved at our church for forever, uh, but has been our children's pastor for the last uh, three years. And she has done a fantastic job in leading. That is right. Um, and leading uh, over 150 of our children every week, which is a lot of kids, a lot of volunteers, a lot of teachers, all of those things. And so Alyssa is due with her second child <laughs> at the end of this month soon. Um, and so she's decided to stay home. Plus, we know that our church is going to grow a lot in the next year or two as we move into the building. And so we're actually moving our children's pastor position to be a full-time job. And so we completely respect Alyssa. We love uh, Alyssa. And we're so grateful that we're still going to be able to uh, see her around. She's not going anywhere. She still plans to be heavily involved, not only with our church, but with uh, renovation uh, kids. You know, uh, Alyssa and her husband, Ryan, are actually original launch team members of our church. So they helped start this church uh, 10 years ago and have uh, no intentions of, of going anywhere. And so Alyssa has put a ton of time, a ton of heart and soul into this church, into your kids, helping them grow closer to the Lord and learn about the scriptures. And so when you see her today, uh, I want you to honor her. I want you to thank her. I know you can't go give her a big hug, but uh, from afar, thank her, honor her, send her a note, send her an email. We just, she's done such a good job, and we just want to say, well done, uh, good and faithful servant. So I, before you step off, I just want to pray for you in the next chapter of your life. Uh, Lord, uh, we just pray for Alyssa. We pray for this, uh, the second child, that you, God, that you would just do amazing things uh, through their family. And I, I pray, Father, for Alyssa, that as whatever is next in her life, that you use her and you continue to use her tremendously like you have now. And we just thank you and we ask you to bless her for her faithfulness and dedication to you. So your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. All right. How many of you have ever gone backpacking before? Anyone here actually gone backpacking? Okay, like, oh, that's pretty good. Like, Maybe 12 of you. I don't mean like backpacking like you wore your backpack to school or like you went hiking in a state park with your family and you had a backpack full of goldfish snacks for your kids. Like, I mean like actual uh, backpacking. Uh, I learned this week, you, maybe you knew this already, but I, I learned that there are actually uh, two types of uh, backpacking as I was reading some thoughts from Pete Scazzaro. There's traditional backpacking. Now, traditional backpacking is where you have a backpack that maybe weighs 30 to 50 pounds you're going out hiking for a few days, but you bring a lot of stuff with you, right? You might have a, a sleeping bag in there, uh, a really small tent, some extra clothes, a rain gear, maybe a portable stove, some water bottles. You've got a lot of stuff with you. And while it's great to have a lot of stuff with you, it's also a major con to have so many things with you, right? Because it's incredibly more difficult to hike five to 10 miles through the mountains if you've got 50 pounds on your back, right? You have a lot less flexibility as you're trying to move places, and you're a lot more susceptible to injury because you've got 50 pounds on your back. And so over the years, another method of backpacking has emerged, and this method is called ultralight backpacking. 
And in this method, you eliminate all the non-essential items out of your backpack. Uh, so much so, instead of your pack weighing 50 pounds, in many cases, guys who go out and do this, their backpack weighs less than 10 pounds. They're so serious about it that many of them cut the tags off their shirts to cut excess weight. Uh, some of them even will take and, and cut off the handles off their toothbrush just to cut excess weight. Now, this morning, as we continue in the Word of God in the book of Luke, uh, we're going to read how following Jesus is going to require you to think like an ultralight backpacker. And so I want 100% of people here, as we open up the Bible, to get the Bible in front of you, if you can. So you can do that in a couple ways. If you brought a Bible, open it up. We're in Luke chapter 18. If you have a phone, you can open up a Bible app. You can open up the Renovation Church app. You just go to Outdoor Services and Weekly Verses. Uh, we are in Luke chapter 18. Uh, we're actually going to skip over the passage about children for a week or two. We're going to come back to it. Uh, but we're on Luke 18, verse 8, verses uh, 18 through 30. So Luke 18, uh, verse 18. Ready? All right, here's what it says. It says, a certain ruler asked him, that's Jesus in context, a good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he wants to know, how do I get to heaven? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter, one of his disciples, said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. And truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. All right, we've had a, a bunch of stories actually this summer in Luke that are only in Luke, but this is a story that's actually in Matthew, it's in Mark, and it's in the book of Luke in the Bible. And from those three, we learn that this man that's talking to Jesus is a rich, young ruler. So often we call him the rich, young ruler. So let's look at the first two verses, if you still have it in front of you, because there's kind of this curious exchange between the man, the rich, young ruler, and Jesus. So after being called good teacher, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And now if you just sort of read that verse in isolation, you might say, well, why would Jesus say that if Jesus is God, if he is the son of God? You know, it's, it's sort of an emphasis on where you're putting the, it's a matter of where you're putting the emphasis on the words. Jesus is saying, why? Why do you call me good? He's inquiring of the man. He's saying, yeah, you're calling me good, but remember, no one is truly good except God. And do you actually think I'm God? And clearly he doesn't, right? Because he's not even gonna follow Jesus. This young ruler had a totally different definition of what was good. For him, he was like many people in America. To be good is just to simply, you know, outwardly be a good person and obey a number of the commandments and such. So Jesus, as an example, he starts rattling off some of the commandments to the man. In fact, he rattles off five of them, right? 
And the man says, oh, yeah, 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 the commandments. Yes, of course, I have kept them since I was a boy. Now, notice, if you look really carefully, verse 19, Jesus gives five of the Ten Commandments. You know what these have in common? All five of these Ten Commandments are about how we treat other people. Do not lie, honor your father and mother, do not steal. Now, if you're familiar with the Ten Commandments, you might know there are actually two sections to the Ten Commandments. A number of the commandments are sort of horizontal commandments, they're how you treat your fellow man. And the rest of the commandments are vertical, they're how you interact with God. And while this man may have kept up outward appearances about other people, where he's going to fall short is in his love for God. Because there's something that he truly loves that he worships more than God, and that's his money, right? In fact, he's going to miss out on eternal life because of his love of money. Jesus says you still lack one thing. He's going to miss it. Now, follow Jesus, that doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. But it means when you follow Jesus that you're going to make him your Lord, your master. It's a turning over of your life to him. And this man just won't turn over his whole life to God. He has this important fork in his road. Now, I want to be clear. This fork in his road isn't just about will he sell his possessions or will he not. Look at verse 22 if you still have it in front of you. What does Jesus say? He doesn't just say, hey, you got to sell your possessions. He says, sell your possessions. And then, this is the most important part, come follow me. And this man, he's not going to be able to come wholeheartedly follow Jesus while he's carrying all of his possessions around in his backpack because those possessions are going to make him stumble. They're going to make him want to turn back. And Jesus is saying to you today that you need to get rid of anything that's holding you back from fully following him. You got to empty it out of the backpack that you've been carrying around. Jesus is saying he has got places that he wants to take you. But if you're still carrying that in your backpack, you won't be able to go. So what's in your backpack? What is it in your life that you're not surrendering to Jesus? What aren't you letting go of? And maybe it's keeping you from following Jesus for the first time or just more fully following him. What is it that you love more than God? You think about the rich young ruler. Like he wanted salvation. He wanted to go to heaven. But it's like he wanted to do it on his terms. And I think a lot of people in America, we fall into this. Right? You're saying, yeah, I want to I go to heaven. I want to follow God. I'll, sure, I'll obey this, but I get to keep that. Sure, I'll obey that. But when it comes to this part of my life, I get to say what's okay and what is not. But that's not how it works, friends. Surrendering your life to Jesus, truly following Jesus, is an abandonment. You abandon your desires and you fully submit yourself to new leadership. You're saying to the Lord, your will be done, not mine. By the way, if you want to know how dangerous the desire to be rich is... Realize that this is the only person in the entire Bible who directly refuses a one-on-one invitation from Jesus to follow him. Think about that. In verse 25, it says, it's actually easier for a camel to walk through an itty-bitty eye of a needle, which is never going to happen, right? 
than it is for the rich to be saved. Jesus is creating hyperbole because he wants you to know that those who love their possessions so much and cram so many of them into the backpack of their life, they can't fit through anything because they can't let go of their possessions. When Jesus says, I might need you to give that up. I might call you here. You might have to give that up. I might call you to give it to someone else. I might call you to sell it to somebody. They can't imagine hiking through life without that thing in their backpack. Now, let me just clarify something from this passage because there's, there's two errors that people often make when they get to this passage in the Bible. And here's the first error. The first error is we read this and we say, see, Jesus is saying that every Christian needs to sell all of their possessions. No, this is a specific commandment that Jesus gave to a specific individual because God, for some people, he wants them actually to gain a lot of money because they're going to use that money to do so many good things for the kingdom. However, secondly, it would also be an error to say that no one has to sell all their possessions because God might absolutely say that to you. Here's the bigger interpretive truth that I think the Lord wants us to get from this passage. It's if there is something in your backpack that has gotten in between you and God, if there's something in your life that is holding you back from fully following Jesus, then you need to throw it away. You need to give it away. You need to burn it. You need to delete it. You need to pour it down the drain. If it's a friendship or a dating relationship that's taking you away from fully following Jesus, then you need to end it. If it's your personal career goals that are holding you back from truly following Jesus, then you need to let go of your goals. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus came to you, he just appeared to you in your room, and he said to you, I want you to give up social media. Or I want you to give up this show that you watch. I want you to sell your smartphone so you can fully follow me. Would you do that? Now, I'm not saying that he's saying that to you, right? I'm not the Holy Spirit in your life. I have no idea. But just as a thought experiment, if Jesus came to you and asked you to do that, he said, I've looked into your heart like he did with the rich young ruler, and I see that this thing is keeping you from fully following me, give it up and follow me. Would you? Or would you go away sad like the rich young ruler? See, the truth is, as a Christian, there should be nothing in your backpack that you hold so dearly that you would literally turn down Jesus Christ if he asked you to surrender it and follow him. So what is it that's in your backpack that's holding you back from passionately following Jesus? I think for a lot of us, we don't take those things out of our backpack precisely because we trust that they can give us more than Jesus can, right? Isn't that why? The rich young ruler, he's not going to let go of his possessions and his money because he's convinced that his possessions and money can give him more in life than following Jesus can. I mean, how tragic. You know, there's an old fable, I don't, I don't know if you've heard it before, about a crane that was uh, wading in a stream looking for snails when a beautiful swan flies in and lands nearby. Now, the crane had never seen a swan before, and so he asked the swan, he said, what are you? I'm a swan, came the reply. And where did you come from? 
the crane inquired. And the swan said, I came from heaven. And the crane said, what is heaven? And the swan began to explain of heaven's beauty and glory. And she spoke of the new Jerusalem and pure streets of gold and jasper walls and pearly gates. And she said, there's this beautiful river there, clear as crystal. And at that point, the crane interrupted when he heard about the river. And he said, tell me, are there snails in heaven? I just love snails. And the swan replied back. She said, I, no, I'm sorry. There, there are no, I'm afraid not. There are no snails in heaven. And then the crane very decisively just said, then I don't want to go. I love snails. You think about this. People are literally going to miss out on heaven because they're convinced that the snails in their backpack will be better. Now, the challenge with that example, especially for people in a crowd like this, is this, is you're going to say, okay, (laughs) wait, wait, listen though, David, I've basically gained the system. This is amazing. You're going to say, see, I'm a Christian, and I actually have the best of both worlds, because I know, because I'm a Christian, I go to church, I believe in Jesus, I know that I'm going to heaven, and I'm actually going to keep this worldly thing that I really like, that I feel like Jesus is calling me to give up, but I'm going to keep it because it gives me a lot of joy and pleasure and happiness and security, but I'm still going to heaven anyway, so best of both worlds. And isn't that almost precisely how so many of us live? Now, first, be sure, are you really a Christian? Are you really a follower of Christ? Have you really surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? And perhaps you have. And if you have, but you're still convinced that you're going to be happier by not taking it out of your backpack, by not surrendering it to Jesus Christ, realize this morning that you are calling Jesus Christ a liar. I don't think we think of it that way, right? Because Jesus came to you and he said, follow me, surrender it, give it up. I'm pleading with you, give it up. Come after me and I will give you abundant life. And to not surrender, we say, I don't think so. You're wrong. This thing that I have will give me life. Give it up. Take it out of your backpack. You're going to be able to hike again and climb again and run again, free from the burden of what you've been carrying. Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust him? Is he trustworthy? And take some of those things out of your backpack this week. And don't just stop at some sort of mental exercise. Christians are so guilty of this, right? We think about surrender and we always play this game. We say, oh, well, let's see. um, What what if the Lord called me to be a missionary in China? You ever play that game mentally in your head? Like, would I go? We play this sort of fake, false scenario. Like, yeah, you know, I think I would, right? And we just sort of stop there. No, no, no. Here's what I want you to do. Actual application. I want you to go home. Before you go to sleep tonight, get in a room by yourself. And I want you to pray. And I want you to ask the Lord. I dare you to pray this today, by the way. I want you to say, Lord, what is it in my backpack that I'm carrying around that I need to surrender to you because I'm holding it as more precious than you? What's weighing me down, Lord? What do I need to give? Ask him that. And when he lays it on your heart, maybe it's today, maybe it's two weeks from now, when he lays it on your heart, I want you to tell a friend what it was because we need that accountability and then let it go. 
But as you let it go, believe, trust Jesus. What he has for you is better, friend. It is better. Denying yourself is not easy, but it is better. Trust in Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, God, help us. We just need help. Our hands are almost glued to the things in our backpacks. The idols that we clutch, thinking that they can give us more than you can if we were to give them up. Holy Spirit, would you pry our hands off of the things that we are clutching? God, even now as we worship in this last song, may we just commit to letting go and surrendering and trusting the one who died for us, the one who gave his life for us on the cross. We just love you so much and we trust you. In your name we pray, amen.